The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. The scripture this morning is found in Exodus chapter 18, um, verses 13 through 23. And um, if you would like to follow along, I definitely encourage you to. Um, The Bibles look like this, and they are under the um, chairs in every row, and it will also be up behind me. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you that they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. This is God's word. Um, We're almost three years into this church plant experiment, uh, and it's been interesting and fun. I have some friends of mine in the back row back here, and they are just uh, embarking on the same experiment that we embarked on, and uh, over in Florence, going to have a sister church there, it looks like, and uh, you guys have a lot of fun ahead of you. Uh, It's it's been really fun, but so in the past uh, 18 months, or so, we've easily, we've doubled, if you guys can imagine that. It's just not a big group in here now, but if you came in here 18 months ago, two years ago, uh, it was paltry. Uh, Laurie and Jamin came on about two years ago, and they can attest to that. In the past 12 months, we've grown by over 40%. Uh, and one way that we've seen that we've grown is, you guys saw this morning, it's just people who find this on the 12th page of their web, web search or saw our billboard that we used to have or just one of you guys invited them and they wandered in here. Maybe, maybe they just wandered in here accidentally one day and didn't know what they were coming to. Um, but another way that we've grown uh, is uh, through back in the back in Docs the Kids. So two years ago, uh, the Goff kids and the Miller kids were oftentimes the only kids that they would have back there to serve. And those, I tell you what, they, they, those volunteers came every week and set everything up and served as if they were serving 800 children and not just like Dale's kids and my kids. But uh, what has happened since then is more young families have come along and uh, you guys have started to pop out babies. There are, there are at least six kids, that, uh, six couples right now that I know of 
that are pregnant. Six couples that are pregnant. That, that's, in, a, in a church our size, that's, that's pretty big. And I was thinking about that, and it, it made me think about how it, having a baby is so similar to having a church. There's sort of like a conception period where like this, like all of a sudden you realize like, oh wow, you know, we're having a, we're planning a church. Like we're having, we're having a baby here and like, it's like real, real cool and new in the process. And then there's like this whole gestation period where like you're thinking about it and you're working on things. And then there's like a birth where all of a sudden, you know, you're, we're, oh man, we're doing this. And that's sort of like the feeling of, if you guys have been a parent and you've, you, like you realize, like the joy in the hotel room. I mean, in the hotel room in the in the hospital. So there's there's that as well. And then some months later, there's a joy in a hospital room of a very different type. Followed by a couple of days later, whenever you get released from the hospital, and I think every couple goes through this, where you where you get in the car. And you, they've helped you out, and they, you put the baby in the car seats, and all of a sudden, you look at each other, and you realize, oh, junk. They're not coming with us, and we've never done this thing before, your first baby, and you're like, how is this going to roll out? I remember driving, uh, it was about a 35-minute drive home from the hospital, and I was like, I, I drove more gingerly than I've ever driven before. Like, I was coming up to, to the, the light was still green. I was slowing down in case it turned yellow and red. I'm like, what happens to this baby back here? And you first start holding the baby, and it's like all tender, and you're like, wondering what's going on here. Like, am I going to break this thing? Um, and, and you go through this period of time where you're learning what it means to be a parent, and then the baby simultaneously is learning what it means to be a person, right? Like there's lots of things they have to learn along the way in order to be a person. And really that's kind of what's going on here. It's the same way with a church. We're kind of learning what it means to be a church and I'm learning what it means to be an elder here and so is Dale, even though he's probably ahead of the game you know, further along than I am. We're learning this whole deal, but that's what's happening here in Exodus, so these people, these Israelites, these Hebrews have been slaves for 400 years in the nation of Egypt. And now God has shown up and has delivered them out of there and they have, they have conquered and embarrassed the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. And now they're out and they're free and they're a people, but they don't know quite what it means to be a nation. They're just a loosely associated group of tribes right now who have a common ancestor, but they don't have no idea what it means to run the nation, to what it means to, to, to set a society up and all the things that it needs. God is teaching them what it means to be a nation. It's the beginning of their maturity process. This morning we're going to look at three things from this passage as God is teaching the nation of Israel to be a nation uh, we, we see uh, God dealing with Moses as he's been uh, being the judge of the land and it's taking too long and he's tiring himself out and he's frustrating the people. We're going to see three things this morning. The burden was too much for one man. The burden was to be shared. and The peace was to be shared. Number one, the burden was too much for one man. Number two, the burden was to be shared. And number three, the peace was to be shared. Jephro, Jephro, Jethro, who is Moses' father-in-law, I, I associated 
<laughs> I have no idea what's going on this morning. Uh, I associate with Jethro because I grew up uh, in the country south of Conway, and I feel like I, like I knew a lot of Jethro's growing up. And so I feel like I can associate with this guy who's showing up and talking to Moses. And he shows up, he's his father-in-law. He's been caring for, we don't even know how it happens, but he's caring for Moses' wife and his two sons. And so he hears they're, they're, they're clear of Egypt. They're out in the land. They defeated the Malachites. They have like, you know, heaven bread raining from heaven every morning. And they have water that is watering the people of Israel that's coming out of a rock. And so he comes and he says, everything's okay now. He's bringing his family to Moses. And he comes up to Moses and, he, and Moses sits down. He greets them. He brings them in. And he tells his father-in-law, just like we all want to tell our father-in-law, like how well things are going when things are going well. And he pulls his father-in-law in and he tells him, hey, things are going well. This is what God has done. He tells him and he says like of oh, the trials they've been through, how difficult it's been, but how God has consistently already just delivered them out of each and every situation they've been in. And now they are free and they have food and they have water out in the middle of this desert. And they've actually defeated an army for the first time. And Jethro, in hearing about the story, the commentators think that I, I, he actually like converted to worship the one true God at this point. And then after he has a meal with him and he celebrates all that God has done for Moses and all the people of Israel and he acknowledges that this God that Moses worships is the one and only true God, then he goes out and he watches, what does Moses do on an average day? And he watches Moses and Moses spends the entire day sitting down and judging the issues, the legal issues that are going on in the nation of Israel. I would imagine there would be a lot of issues because they're living in tents out in the middle of the wilderness. And so, like, life is kind of, they're learning what it means to be a nation, they're learning what it means to be a people, and they're learning what it means to live in the wilderness and live in these tents. And so there's gonna be disputes. There's gonna be arguments back and forth. Your dog keeps running over here and he's pooping in my tent. And, and uh, I, I go to bed every night and I, I hear the smell or the baby's crying all night long and what are we gonna do? And, you know, people get irritated. That's my spot to put my tent in. I, I called it when we were down, down the road and I know you didn't, I called it. And there's all kinds of disputes going on and Moses is having to spend his time every day helping them settle these disputes. And Jethro watches him and he says, he pulls him aside like a father-in-law does and says, hey, what you're doing here is not good. It's taken you all day, you're not done, you're exhausted, and the people are frustrated. Because the people are looking for justice, they're looking for help, and they're having to wait for you. There's around 600, we don't even know exactly the number, but maybe 600,000 men at this point, so maybe a, a million, two million, three million Jews in the middle of the wilderness waiting for Moses to make the decision on every issue they're dealing with. And he says, this is not good, it's too much for you. Verse, uh, down in verse, uh, la, 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 la. Yeah, I don't have the verse down in my notes. But he says, what you're doing is not good, verse 17. You and the people with you will certainly wear, wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Which is interesting because Moses was, at this point, and in the whole history of Israel, the most respected man in the history of Israel. He met with God. God spoke to him and communicated with him. He was God's chosen one that led the people out of Egypt into and was going to lead them to the promised land. 
God spoke to Moses in the future. He says that he spoke to him as a man speaks to another man face to face. And yet, Moses is not able to take care of all the people's problems. Even though he was God's chosen one, even though it was natural they would go to him, Yet we see that that's not what God was going for. He wasn't going for one holy man who would stand between uh, God and between his people and speak, uh, hear what God has to say and then speak it to the people and then hear what the people have to say and then communicate that to God as if he has to be a go-between back and forth. In the next chapter, chapter 19, God says that he has called them to be a kingdom of priests. That means he's called them to be a kingdom, a people, a nation where each one is able to hear God and speak back to God. Where they don't need somebody to stand between them and God and communicate. But you know what happens in the next chapter we'll be covering next week and the week after that? It's incredibly sad. The people gather when God uh, comes down on the holy mountain and they see his presence and it scares them and they tell Moses, we want you to go for us and talk to God because it's too scary. He's too holy. He's too other. He's too different from us. We need somebody to go between us. And God tells Moses that's probably the right choice. He had called them to be a special people, to be a kingdom of priests, but they would turn around and ask Moses to do it for them. And then God would agree. But Jethro saw this is too much for one man. And the truth is, it's always too much for one man. I don't know what your history and if you grew up in church, you've been around church very long. There's a tendency in church to want to have a holy man. A man who stands up and explains what the word of God says and declares his word to us and acts for like a go-between between us and God. Hey, you be the holy one. You be the one that preaches. You be the one that prays. You be the one that does, that does the work. And I'll be over here and I'll, I'll show up and I'll put some money in the offering plate to keep this thing running. But really, we want you to go between us and God because I'm too scared or I don't feel qualified or he's too holy. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm doing right now. You don't know my history. I need you to be the holy man and stand between me and God. That's not what God's picture of the New Testament church is. He sent one who was greater than Moses to be the go-between between you and me and God. Jesus Christ, who came and paid the penalty that you could not pay and stands in the gap between you and God himself so that if you are a believer in Christ this morning, you have direct access to the Father. The almighty creator God whose presence on the mountain made it erupt in fire and shook the ground like an earthquake, you now have direct access to him in a way that even Moses did not have because there was sin separating Moses from God, God said, if I show you my face, it will destroy you. If I truly show you my glory, it will destroy you. In Hebrews 10, it tells us that Jesus has come and he once for all has paid the penalty for us. He has been the priest for us to stand between us and God and that 
Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. That means that, that's a concept that the theologians call the priesthood of the believer. That means if this morning, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, there's nobody that needs to stand between you and God except Jesus. You have direct access to God. There's not one that we're looking to, to be a holy man, to stand between us, to tell us what he has to say, to do the holy things for us. Jesus Christ came and has united us to him. And if this morning, if you are not a believer in Christ, you are separated from God by your sin, but by the sacrifice of Christ on your behalf, you can have access to God personally and directly. But we tend to fall back into that way of thinking that someone else should be the go-between. We look for it from a pastor, from a spiritual guru, or from a spouse, or from a friend. That burden is too much for one person. Not just to govern all of the nation of Israel, but that burden is too much for anybody to be the go-between between you and God. Only Jesus Christ can be that one. There's only one that can stand in that place and last. The burden is too much for Moses. It was too much for one man. And that's why he sent Jesus to us. But then it tells us in verses 19 through 22 that the burden was to be shared. Jethro tells Moses that you need to set up a system so that burden can be shared. He said, uh, you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws. That means teach them what God has to say and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. But then he says, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. And then in verse 22, he says, and they will bear the burden with you. This was a superior system to what Moses had been doing where he was just sitting down judging everybody's case one by one, but it was still had its weaknesses because the whole system started and ended with Moses. It depended on Moses teaching them, hearing what God had to say and teaching them this is what God says, and then in issues that were too big, it had to go back to Moses at the final appellate court. But think of how this can and should look in the church where we have the whole Bible and we have been given direct access to God and we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Christ, he's called us to share the burden with each other. Not for one man to be the, the one who stands above us all and that we just listen to all his wise and holy and beautiful words, but for us together to be a people who are a kingdom of priests who share the burden together of the community of faith. The qualifications that Jethro gives reminds me of the list of qualifications for elders and deacons in the book of Timothy and Titus. First of all, he said, Choose from among the people. That means that it's a representative uh, government that is going on. 
He says, choose able men. That means that we are, look for people who are capable, who are mature. He says, choose men who fear God. That means people who viewed God rightly and worshiped him. Notice he doesn't say, look for perfect people. And he said, choose men who are trustworthy. It means they're honest, they have integrity, they have values that are greater than personal gain. They're not open to bribes. My question to you this morning is, what part of the burden are you to be carrying? He's not called one man to be the holy person or even a couple of men to be the holy people that stand between us and God and do the holy work. He's called us to be the body of Christ that shares the burdens with each other. And so the question is, what burden is it that you have to carry? What is it that God has called you and gifted you and enabled you to do as a part of the body of Christ that only you can do? You might be wondering, what am I really capable of? I'm not smart. I don't know the Bible. I don't have scripture memorized. I I, I still mess up all the time. But if you're a believer in Christ, you've been made capable by the blood of Jesus. You've been made capable by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. These people that Moses set up to be rulers of tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands, they could have said, hey, this system isn't gonna work. But in doing so, they said, we don't, they would be saying, we don't trust God to, to set up this system that is gonna work. But you and I, if we think, man, I'm not capable, I don't have anything to offer, I'm, I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, I'm too tired, I don't know enough, I'm not smart enough, my life is full of sin and Mess ups. You don't know what the state of my marriage or what kind of parent I am. The question is if you're a believer in Christ today, does the Spirit of God dwell within you? And if it does, is there anything God is not capable of? Is God capable of empowering you and gifting you to serve the body of Christ in such a way that you carry a part of the burden? it's not just a guilt trip that the burden is supposed to be shared. I love this last verse, verse 23. Jethro said, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. We share in peace when we share in the burden. Jethro told Moses, and I hear him telling us as the body of Christ that sharing the burden will result in endurance and peace. This picture of peace is so, so beautiful. I've said it before, it's the word shalom. You may have heard it before. It doesn't just mean like a lack of hostility between people, like what we mean when we say peace. It's a picture of wholeness. It's a picture of health. It's a picture of completeness. It's a picture of joy. It's a picture of the way life is supposed to be. He says we will share in completeness. We will share in 
wholeness. We will share in health. We will share in joy when we share the burden together. It's a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Not a picture of specialized ministry experts who do the work, but rather just Ephesians 4 says that he's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Not for the special ministry experts to do the work of the ministry, but for you and me to do, you and I to do the work of the ministry. Empowered by God's spirit. And when we do that we find peace and wholeness and completeness and health and joy there. Have you ever experienced a, a family meal where you show up and everybody joins in and is doing their part? Aunt May has her special casserole that she makes. Grandma makes the turkey or the ham. You have your special dish. Maybe you're not a a cook and you're setting up the table. Maybe your specialty is sitting in the living room and watching football while everybody else does that. But everybody comes in and they do their own deal, their their own contribution for the greater whole. And there's a joy as you serve together. And there's a joy as you partake of the fruits of your labor together. That's the picture of the church that this passage is pointing to, where we work together enjoy in our specialized area of service and we enjoy the fruits together as we enjoy the peace and the joy and the completeness and wholeness that comes. I think we all wanna be a part of something greater than ourselves. I think we all wanna know that we're able to contribute to something greater than ourselves in a way that is meaningful and helpful. And the good news for each of us this morning is God has done that for you. He has gifted you and enabled you and called you to a place of service that is fulfilling and is peaceful and joyous and leads the body to greater peace and greater joy. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of people. And devote ourselves to that. Because we remember that when we share, we share in peace when we share the burden together. I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna come up and play for uh, about a minute or so. And then Jonathan's gonna come up and he's gonna lead us in communion. So we have some time just as the music's playing to to think. I I hope that you will, in your own heart, maybe pray and ask God, God, what area have you gifted me and enabled me and empowered me to serve? This is not me trying to guilt you guys into serving and doing something. But it's a picture and desire that God paints in the scripture and a desire that we have to be a church that is full of peace and joy where every person is serves in their area of gifting. And then if you're not sure, maybe you can ask God as we pray, God, show me how I can help share the burden and to serve 
and to lead us all to that place of peace and joy. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would would lead us, each of us this morning, that you would show us uh, how we can serve, how we can love you and love each other in, in a way that we share the burden that we can be a part of something that is greater and larger than ourselves. There's nothing greater and larger than being a part of your community that you've called to to be a redeemed community that then turn around and gather other people to be redeemed as well, to share the news and the good news of what you have done for us and see people who were once in darkness come to light, who were once not your child become your child and be grafted into the family. pray you would help us to be a people who are excited about serving you, sharing the burden with each other, and therefore sharing the joy and the peace that results from that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.